So, yeah, reps and reserve can be another method you use to regulate regulate training load. How far from how far from your absolute max? And a lot of the research supports is that you know yep. we we want to be just shy, in terms of muscle hypertrophy, you want to be just shy of just shy of it because we're able to actually create more training volume yep. without hitting maximal thresholds. Um, in terms of strength strength training, we probably want to be a little bit further away. Say, you know, instead of one one to two reps, you maybe make two to three reps away from from maximal effort to get the best stimulation for strength um, and tissue tissue tolerance and slow adaptation progression from say from a further distance, say four reps working to three to one reps in reserve, getting closer and closer to. Yeah. So let's talk auto-regulation. Um, how do you apply it and how do you use it? Because it's the, I've noticed it's the biggest difference uh, to me with the training that you've applied to, applied to me currently. That's the biggest difference well, I've had from other programs. Let's first define auto-regulation. So auto-regulation basically um, allows and basically it's a method that regulates training load mm. um, for a desired intensity outcome now there are various uh, various models to uh, to do so that you can utilize for different athletes for different different purposes yeah so the most common form of auto regulation that we utilize and I currently utilize a fair bit is um, RPE yeah now you're, you're, I got you on a training program using RPE and you had a bit of feedback on that so what are your experiences with well, so far. I mean, it was my first. It was my first. Um, it was my first foray into RP. So it took me. Fuck! It took me. I think it took me one training cycle to actually work out what to get some consistency in my RPE. Like I, I can consist. I can know what a, I know what an eight feels like now. I know what a seven feels like. I just mm-hmm. know. Um, whereas week to week, it would. What I said was an eight. Probably wasn't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of, I, I didn't know myself well enough. Um, but so for anybody listening, how it looks like on my program is um, the auto-regulation is trying, you, you hit, you're aiming to hit a load within a range, right? Mm-hmm. So you can either go from, I don't know what, say it's 110 to 120. Almost. Almost. So it's what I do that allows it to make it more objective. So I collect a huge amount of subjective data Yep. to then create objective measures. So be- because RPE is subjective, you know, yep. we can't get perfect perfect measurements. But we can use a form of, you know, descriptions or feeling the way something feels mm. uh, to try and assign that uh, a number to give a desired desired effect. So this allows us to stay within a tolerable rate um, load that allows some sort of progression on a day-to-day, on a day-to-day and a week-to-week cycle. Yeah. So it can be used in two ways: is that in a prescriptive manner, it allows me to regulate the training load that you're in, um, and if we can make progression at a various, you know, ideal intensity, we know we're probably progressing overall. Yep. Then there's feedback on giving your um, feedback on your RPE scale, on what something feels like, to kind of get a gauge on. Um, how something feels and whether that is progressing over time. Yeah. So if something is feeling easier over time, you know, we're probably progressing. Um, right. And so if, if those RPE numbers mm, go down week to week, but you're using the same load, 
yeah. we know there's progress being made. The idea here is that we want you to get the most out of days that are good and back off on days that aren't so good because having exact numbers is too hard to account for, yeah. especially on days of high of high stress that we might or might not be fully recovered mm. and could pose us to expose us to a risk of risk of injury so rpe is usually used in something that you would you would lift to a number to feel a certain way and then each week you might utilize that number as a gauge to where that week will go so this is where i created an objective measure that i use historical data to then create a an, um, a possible estimated training load for the following weeks. So, if I have eight RP for you know three reps in say slot B yep. for your exercise thing, then I know that next week we could hit a similar range depending on the recovery. So then, if next week um, you should be close to or be able to improve mm. on that RPE, if it improves, then I'll use that data to then progress next week's. Um, training ranges so I will also give that range within a 5% 5% range or 2.5% range on yep. on that on each end of it to regulate down or up so this also applies a level of constraint to the athlete so that we they don't go overboard or or pull back too much mm. Because going, you can feel 8RP very early on in training, but the RP may decrease as we increase load, and that's something that does does happen. So yes, we want to have um, some sort of historical data to start to make this subjective information a little bit more reliable. Yeah, so, so I find, it's funny you said that. So I find a lot, of, when I'm doing three sets, my second set is always my most comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I've gone up in weight and the, the first set almost becomes a warm-up set, doesn't it? But um, um, yeah, I, I, I say, say we're doing squats and we're doing triples. Mm-hmm. I always find my second set, even if I've gone up in weight, feels the same RPE mm-hmm. as the first set. Um, this, is why we want, this is why you want that historical data. Yeah. Um, because we can draw those, create those comparisons and know, and you as a lifter should start to know yourself Mm. And can create, um, and can start to understand how you can regulate your training. Um, the other part of this is that as a coach, I could utilize a method, which I do with you know a few athletes. Is that I'll have you know prime primer sets, so it'll be something mm. that you know is like say you know a few percent off what your top sets are. So it might say, regulate something at seven RPE. Yep. Um, or have some percentages that are lower than it to prime them for their top sets. Um, so giving them less sets of the top sets, have primer sets up to which you could use a form of pyramid, because um, yep. then they'll perform better in their top their top sets. And again, that's just knowing both a psychological and phys- uh, physiological profile of an athlete to then try and work out the best programming method um, for with it, and that could be RPE. Actually, this brings into the an idea too is that you're saying that you always like to hit the higher end right so i was going to say that that do you how do you factor in the psychology of a lifter because when i see you know this session you go from 110 to 120 mm-hmm. i'm going to 120 mm-hmm. there's just every time if it's there i'm going for it even and and 
to be honest, it doesn't really matter how much I feel. I, like, if the numbers that if somebody tells me I should aim for that, I can find it to get there. I can always do it. Like, and and I'm, I'm make. What am I? I'm in the second cycle at the moment, right? Mm. And I'm still making beginner gains because mm-hmm. I was pla- I was plateaued for like fucking five years or something. Mm. So I'm still making big jumps, right? So mm-hmm. I'm nowhere near strong enough to, to for this to be an issue. So I, I find myself that I'm actually going past my upper end as mm-hmm. well a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do you? Is that something you have to adapt between lifters? Because yes. obviously some people are far more likely to push themselves more. Yes. So this is knowing knowing your knowing your athlete so there is a couple of things first off the models i give are um are constrained models yeah so let's say you did do a pyramid pyramid scheme so you went 100 110 120 hit your max at 120 i'm only going to use the average of that in the next week so that at least the average load of that is going to be progressive right, if you okay. do hit the higher end of that it's only it's only two and a half percent higher, very conservative jump yep. um, on the average load rather than the peak load. So your peak load will be 120, but I'll keep you between closer to 110. So if you do hit more sets at 110, at uh, around 110 instead of starting at one 100, then at least over those next three sets in the following week, we have at least progressed training load right. in, some, in some form. In, in some form. So you know, that is one type of constraint. Number two, the other type of constraint I put in is that as long as your reporting is accurate, you were meant to hit eight, but you hit a nine. As long as you report that correctly, I will regulate the load for the following week to be down. But already all my computer, my, my algorithm already does that. Yeah, for yeah, me. yeah. Um, uh, essentially, some people aren't going to be well adapted to that, to RPE, because they're going to want to always just hit more and report whatever they feel like reporting. Right. So I was going to say, do, do, so do you run into people who, what do they, what do, they do? They, they get liberal with the truth, shall we say. So mm. be, be, they, they want to hit as high as as possible. You're, you've told them 24 and 8. Mm-hmm. Do you get people who push to a 9 or a 10 and report it as an 8? Yeah, um, it happens. Um so that's just you being as a coach, knowing, knowing how to prescribe yeah. it. Because RP might not work for that person. Right. Um, you could use other methods. You can use, you can just use percentages. You know, stick them yep. within, stick them within a percentage. And usually, when I use percentages, I'll still use a range. So if it's eighty percent, it really is between seventy-seven point five percent and eighty-two point five percent. Yeah. And you know, they can hit between that. You can. Uh, so if they. And sometimes their reporting isn't, if their reporting isn't good, mm. we can rely on videos, you know. But as long as they keep, you know, as of a beginner, as long as you keep reporting, they'll learn what it is. For someone yeah. who is really extreme, who doesn't care, they just want to hit hit bigger numbers. Again, we'll have to apply other constraints of some of some kind to prevent them from overdoing it. And we could just be, you know, setting the numbers that they're supposed to hit. Um, you can increase the volume of work, so we could hit, yeah. you know. 80% for five sets over time, you know, that's enough volume for them to not want to have a, you know, a, you know, uh, overzealous jump. Um, so you type, you basically wear them out enough where they're going to be less likely to push themselves. Yeah. Cause they're going to get more out of doing volume than they are trying to push themselves. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, a lot of programming is, is based off, you know, 
you know, profiling, you know, being able yeah, to profile yeah. the right, the right, um, correctly for the right person. Um, and then, and just talking with the athlete, but some people just aren't, aren't gonna, aren't gonna listen. Um, there are other models to RPE as well. Well, first right. off, do you have any more questions about that? I'd love, I'd love to, I'd love to know that um, amongst your top lifters mm. across the board, are they all? Is there something that are they all quite similar on this subject? Do they? Um, are they all completely truthful? Do they report properly, or, or do you? Or, or there's a lot. Yeah, of mo- mo- most of them will report properly. Um, it's also having um, control of the people, not like mm. a, a bad form of control, but knowing. Uh, knowing how to first tell them off, educating, and letting them make mistakes. Right. Um, they're all part of it. So if I have people who are overzealous, it's like, you know, I may give them, may give them warning, I might let them do it. I explain what could happen, and you know, more often than not, what they, what I explain happens. You know, they peaked too early for competition, they've yep. hurt themselves, and it's like, you know, cool. Now, this time round, you know, I'm not going to be on top of them that hard because sometimes it's not going to work unless they make the mistake. Yeah. Um, so I don't get that as much. Um, might You might get it a couple of times here and there randomly because they felt really good, want to do it. Mm. Um, I let them, you know, you know, but I educate them and give them understanding like, you know, if you do that, you know, here's what you're opening yourself up, opening yourself up to, yep. you know. I'm not angry or anything. Just you know, I keep them, I keep them aware because mm. um, then. Um, but I use a combination of methods, you know. Now, it's more about what I in, when it comes to periodization. There's a there's a there's a thing I I use is called an index. Right. So generally, it's called it's an index that gives you a rough indication of location to a peaked effort for a peaked effort for competition and so we can you know we can you can use all sorts of methods you can use like you know what percentage of intensity do you want them at what rp do you want them mm. at or you can just give a an overview of you know a scale of one to five which is the traditional model right. of doing it five being the absolute peak for competition four being off like um being just off just off something for competition one being non-specific far away far away from competition um so you can use various methods to keep him within 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 a range that is within a a range to competition and getting the most we can out of those out of those areas using various methods to maintain a a, a level of constraint and progression at the same same time now for other methods so there is percentage-based percentage-based methods with reporting so if they then report rpe on a percentage base it gives us a good indicator about how we can progress because percentages um the downfall with that is that we can't regulate load we can't regulate load to based off how strong they might be or what they can express so we could be understimulated or overstimulated so if the, the only information you've got is that they've hit They've hit that percentage. You don't know how well they hit it, how they felt when they did it. And but they could be, at this stage, they could relatively be weaker. So mm. us hitting a higher percentage could actually be too high. Um, or we could be, they could be much stronger and the percentages we're hitting are too low and not in a, in a, right. in a stimulus 
any stimulated, stimulated a stimulative load. Right. Um, so getting sort of RP feedback from that can then allow us to then put a, put their percentages relative to what their report is. So that gives me control over the position of their lifting in relative distance between mm. their competition. Um, besides RP, there's also another method which I like, but I don't uh, I don't use um, at this stage. Uh, it's called reps and reserve. I've stuck. I've used. Right. So, what's yeah. the, what's the difference between reps and reserve? <coughs> um, rate of perceived. At, so, I've always been a bit confused about this because RP is based on how many more reps you could do. Mm, yes and no. It's based of a. It's based of another model of right. of exertion for for endurance based training, which is out of out of twenty, and so it's something like uh, six or seven out of twenty. So right. set between six and seven to twenty. Um, so you give a you give a ranking on how that felt, and it's been built from basically the intensity of your heart rate. So you right. know, twenty being at two hundred, you know, um, fifteen being at one hundred and fifty. So you kind of build a relative RP for that. But now we have watches, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, that do it also. That you know that kind of model's obsolete now. When you have very accurate measures for for uh, for heart rate. Um, the model has been adapted to lifting from one to ten. Um, um, I don't know exactly the reason why it's one to ten, but my assumption is that ten being a hundred percent of your one rep max is kind of easy, easy yeah. way to do it. Um, 80, eight, eight, uh, eight, eight, eight to eight point five is roughly the eighty to eighty-five percent percentile right. percentile mark. Um, but it's also the distance between your max effort. So you know. Uh, a rough way to indicate that is is reps in reserve, or how many reps you have left in the tank. So if you have uh, five, if you did five five reps for eight RPE, yep. you'd roughly have two reps left in the tank. So yes. by the fifth rep, you can start to feel if I did two more, could I do two more? And would I fail on the third? Which means you have two le- two reps left in the tank. That's a rough. That's roughly uh, an eight RPE. Does, does, but isn't that the same? So is is two RIR the same as eight RPE then? Pretty much, but you directly measure just um, uh, reps reps in reserve. So you'll give a two reps in reserve if you feel like you have two left, two reps left. Yeah. So if you prescribe, you know, with with reps in reserve, you you I mean, you would more prescribe a, a little bit of a range because it's actually pretty hard to tell the difference between one and two, two reps in reserve or right. no to yeah. one. So. Um, you might give a little bit of a range, and then you'll give feedback on what they what they think it might be. It's just a little bit more, a little. Uh, uh, it can feel a little bit more intuitive to right. give an exact to give an exact number. But you know the difference between you know one and two isn't isn't too different. No. Um, anyway, in terms of even the stimulus you're aiming for, so we're trying. To, usually, you might prescribe say seven eight RP. You might go one to two reps, reps in right. reserve. Now, the further that reps in reserve is, or same with RPE, let's say we hit um, four to five RPE, that gets really hard to differentiate because anything, say, less than three to four yeah, um, or greater than three to four reps in reserve feels roughly the same. Yeah. It just, yeah. Um, and same thing when it comes to high rep work. Anything above, anything above, say, eight to ten reps, it's going to be hard to work out how many more reps 
in yeah, reserve. I, I would have no. I would have absolutely no idea. Once I hit ten, it, I could do another five. I could do another twenty. You just don't know. Yeah. So you can only know how far from failure you might be. So you know if you're really close and you know you only got one more rep, then you know. Um, so uh, the reliability on that becomes a little bit right, okay. a little bit, a little bit less. And knowing that, we can then you know program the appropriate method methodology um, for that. Um, so I would use a more descriptive feedback, which I don't have my spreadsheet doing that. Um, I essentially just give the same value of 8RPE to uh, more of a subjective value being challenging. So mm. if something felt challenging, then it's an 8. If something felt hard, it's a 9. If it felt there was that the absolute limit, it's a 10. Um, so anything over 10 reps, you'll still give me that RPE feedback. It's just the constraints of my spreadsheet. Um, you might just give a subjective feedback of, say, 8 being a challenging challenging number but then at least you have your perspective on challenge yeah so so the key is if you do this if you put the same effort in the next week mm. is it still an eight so it's the consistency that's the yeah. key it's not the actual number between people it's just is your eight always at your eight yeah right. and the other thing with this too is that we'd want to measure the difference between we want we don't want to compare your eight rpe with you know two three four five reps yeah and 10 10 11 12 they're different of so course. Yeah. the you know our 10 10 you know 10 you know eight to ten, eight so let's say 10 to 12 reps that category is not the same as mm. measuring five so you would want to measure them separately um and yeah that's what i do so if i'm measuring something like five rpe you know if i'm going to change that to a you know sorry five reps i'm going to all of a sudden change that to a double I can't use the same numbers. I might use it yeah. to have some idea where you might be for a double, but it's not a carrot. It's not the same character because now you're getting closer to that high skill end yeah. of you know singles and singles and doubles. So yeah, reps and reserve can be another method you use to regulate regulate training load. How far from how far from your absolute max? And a lot of the research supports is that you know. Yep. We, we want to be just shy, in terms of muscle hypertrophy, you want to be just shy of just shy of it because we're able to actually create more training volume yep. without hitting maximal thresholds. Um, in terms of strength strength training, we probably want to be a little bit further away. Say, you know, instead of one one to two reps, you might be like two to three reps away from, from maximal effort to get the best stimulation for strength um, and tissue, tissue tolerance and slow adaptation progression from say from a further distance say four reps working to three to one reps in reserve getting closer and closer to your one rep so that we have an adaptive you know an adaptable progression right um, okay from change because normally at the start of a preparation we're making some sort of change to the person's um technique or or something else and then we're going to create that adaptation towards towards that one rm um Another form of... Did you have something? Yeah, so I, I think you're going to go into it now. So I, I actually... When it, I mean, for, for the larger rep ranges, it doesn't really work, but I, I find for my anything three, three reps to one rep, I can get... I gauge it mentally. What, I, what feels challenging to me is based off the speed of the bar. Like, I, 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 it's how... It, 
basically if I'm if I'm slow if if I'm crawling to the top of my squat mm-hmm. and I'm pushing everything into it, I, I know I know I'm at nine, nine and a half, ten, right? Um but it but even if it feels even if it feels like I couldn't do that many more reps, but the speed of the bar is fast and and I've exploded to the top. I can gen- I generally know that's about an eight, that, and that's how internally I've kind of started doing it. Mm. But but and I, I know were you going to go towards- yeah, a little bit? Um, so it's like so your your, your subjective um, feeling for that number is then um, objectively measured through my load calculations. Yeah. Uh, so that you have a comparison in the following training slot yeah. um, for that. Another part I was going to go into is um, videos, which is more for your your own feedback to have a look, yep. you know, because something can feel shit but look good as well. Um, and that's more to do with someone, an individual's psychology yep. uh, or psychological approach to uh, to that, or just simply the way they may feel that day. Um, and but doesn't isn't isn't respective or or um, doesn't show in terms of their neural output. Now, videos can help provide a coach another tool to then try and give a little bit more objectivity to the subjective to that subjective information. Me looking at me looking at videos is still subjective based off my skill of looking at lifts for a very long time. Um, will give me indication about what it really is mm. so using their feedback and my feedback and give an indication about maybe the disparity between um, what they feel and what I think it should feel and giving them a better idea about what that RP should should feel like and this is more right. so with new lifters yeah and this this was this was my problem what, what and this is what I've realized since I've been training I've not been training that long in the powerlifting but um what I think my max is or what I thought my max was 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 not even close, because I didn't even know what it was like to push myself that far. Mm-hmm. So so I had no idea, and it's, and obviously that worked backwards down all the RPEs. Like it was just it was just way off. Mm. Like what I what I my at first my eight, I would say was a seven or even a six. Mm. Like I was just completely uncomfortable pushing myself to those mm. levels. So I. I basically called it that does it and that's why i need videos too yeah you know because then i can then look at the difference between what it should be and what it what it is Mm. again that's just a coach's eye yeah um, Yeah. development then we can move into more objective um more objective measures so which is velocity based blaze training right so that and then that's why i brought up the fact that I mentally check my velocity, but I, th- I thought that's mm. what you were going to go into next because you use that with your top, all your top lifters, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, more of the top lifters because it's an expensive investment and most new lifters aren't willing to <laughs> invest that much money into buying a velocity device. I would love one, but uh, yeah, what are they, like 700 bucks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so velocity-based training, we've done a few podcasts on this. Um, velocity-based training essentially is another form of the way we do it is another mm. form of regulating regulating training load so the one thing we can rely on is that there is a direct correlation between your 1rm and uh, velocity right. so we can draw a we can create a linear a linear model or a linear regression model 
to compare um, um, velocity and percentage percentage to one RM. From this, we're able to then work out the uh, what your velocities should be at around an eighty right. percent, any sort of percentage of intensity. So 80, 81, 82, you know, no matter no matter what the percentage is, and so this separates. Um, anyone from wanting to be overly zealous with their lifting this will also bring individuals who are under who underestimate yep. their own capacity and this will also separate the psychology of you know how they're feeling and also right. give them a way to regulate their um, regulate their load based off their recovery for that day so this keeps us right on the stimulus we desired stimulus we we want so if you want them at a at a very particular so when i if the draw a comparison to the difference of its level of accuracy the index of measurements i use is is essentially a replication of trying to draw a roadmap yeah so if i had a roadmap and i wanted to give them directions essentially i would show them where to go right then i would send them off send them off on the way if i want to find out where they are I'd have to give after they'll have to give me let's say a check-in to then work out where their location is so you can use this this is like say you know in military we would give a location um we would give some 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 form of location to find out where where the troops are yeah, yeah. um on 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 that map and we only do that by checking in via radio to then find out where they are this is a lot like programming so they'll give me feedback and it gives me an indication about their their location. But you can only but the, the point there is that you can only do it at set points and it's when they communicate with you. Yeah, so at those points yeah. I can then get an idea about the distance they are between um, right. where they are on that and on that map and then I can then make decisions to bring them back on path or get them in the direction that they need to be need to need to be going. The velocity is like a GPS system. Right, and tells them where they are exactly, and tells them where to go and how to correct live, within and the, the second they're lifting. This is set. This is set to set. This isn't after four weeks. Okay, check in where you are. Let's get you back over here. This is after each individual set. You know exactly where you are and what the next set needs to be. Yeah. So you do your first set, and they'll give you instant instant feedback about where that where you should be, or what you should be hitting, mm. and so then you'll hit those training loads. Now, yes, it may increase or decrease over that set. If it increases, increase your load. If it decreases, I generally don't tell them to decrease their load. I generally tell them to sustain it because usually that's accumulative fatigue right. from, from the set. Normally, like the same thing, it takes a while for some people to warm up. So then as they warm up, they'll find their training load and then they'll hit their loads and at the exact location we want them at. So rather than saying, oh, I need you to hit an 8.5 RPE, I, hit, I tell you to hit you know, 0.41 meters per second velocity. Now, same thing, there is a margin of error for it when it comes to them because they have to build up to it. Yeah, then yeah. their lifts aren't always perfectly consistent. So same thing, I'll give a velocity range um, with correlation with their velocity, um, velocity load or training load, so which is relative to their percentages. Um, I would then... Based off their percentages, week to week, uh, based off their velocity, I can then create a index model to then uh, reverse engineer where 
their um, estimated training loads might be for the following following week, right. depending on how how they're progressing. So we might increase their training um, loads, down, decrease or increase by one, two, three, four, five, six percent. So then we have a more accurate estimated training load in comparison to their um, velocity that need to be mm. hitting. So at this stage, I'm doing that manually, um, building an algorithm for that as well. Um, but yeah, it's essentially then the velocity is an expression of neural drive and accurate description of neural neural drive and so that we can know exactly how well that person is lifting right. for that day how recovered they are how fatigued they are um, and have it and have them you know pinpoint come in right on time with their with their velocity uh, and i also have issues with lift some lifters still been overzealous right so others. i was going to say that uh, yeah so this will because people can convince themselves they should be able to lift more or they convince themselves they can't lift what they should be able to lift, right? Mm -hmm. Because the, your psychology can override a lot. So this, this stops that because it tells them, it tells them what to go to next. There's no mm. subjectivity in, in whether they think they can go further or not. It's, it, it's, it's, it tells them that they've, they've overdone, overdone it. Right. So at least they have some feedback straight away. Tell them, no, you weren't strong enough that day, but you did it anyway. Right. And yeah, same thing. I still gotta let them make their mistakes. They mm. do it, and that individual um, he peaked peaked way too early. You know, he was hitting, he was constantly hitting 0.05 percent higher or five five mm, uh, meters per second faster every set because he already jumped and he needed in his head to progress every single week. And so he did that. Staying, that that's some that's something that I and he struggle peaked with, about yeah. four weeks too early. So by the time it came around to testing and deload, he was done. He was absolutely gassed. You know, I made him aware of it, but there's much, what, what, what more can I do than tell them what they need to be aware of until they do it, make the mistake, then they won't do it again. And he's not. This time he's not. You know? So when so that that's literally me. Mm. That's such I'm doing it right now. Yeah. Like I've got, I've gone, I've gone past your auto regulation top end. Mm. The last three weeks, definitely in my squat, mm. be because, because just that, just that, got to push it, got to push it, got to push it. Like I said, it's it's like, but it's only going to be a detriment to yourself. I know. I know. Um, and then you wonder why we're not progressing the way we're progressing, and you know, and, and and it's fine. Like I let people do it. Yeah, yeah, you got you it. Know, yeah. And they'll learn their lesson. Um, yeah. I feel like I've learned my lesson just from doing this. So, yeah, okay. back to the plan. Exactly. Always stick to the plan. Just stick to the plan. Like even, um, even a bad plan is better than no plan. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You just got to have some sort of have some sort of plan because just doing what you want to do doesn't you know, doesn't have a level of uh, predictability and allow us to then you know, make you know, make changes to create adaptation. Yeah, some sort of predictable model, which is. I, I mean, it is worth it is worth pointing out that this this most of this stuff only applies when you have a coach because I mean you you can't just take a cookie cutter program and it's hard to apply this stuff without somebody providing some objectivity mm. into the mix and obviously you 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 program week to week 
right? So every week you are looking at it and yeah. adjusting it and week to week. So for me, you, that's a for me that's a service I provide. Yeah. Um, because I know the attention requires to get, you know, to fine tune things. Mm. But you know, I could write this program. I could write these programs and my my algorithms that I created will auto regulate the whole training at the same time. Doesn't mean I'm making not making some sort of intuitive or you know, smart yeah. decisions. It just um, out of my years of knowledge and understanding and how people work, I've, you know, how programs work, been able to develop proprietary formulas, um, yeah, um, on my own to then, you know, create, you know, a projectable model based off, based off projectable models used in used mm. in science, um, and so the same scientific models used to project the weather, climate how how we travel to the moon and whatever it is is the same models I use to try and uh, do this well, probably not as accurate as you know, physics but it's more of a you know, you're utilizing subjective information yeah. plus subjective information in combination to create some sort of projectable model yeah so oh.